Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back as we continue the countdown to the Loudest Hell Festival. Next is a new black metal band from Calgary, Alberta, who has seems to have taken the local scene by storm. Already, they've competed and won both the Calgary and Western Canadian finals during this year's Vakken Metal Battles. By the time this episode airs, they will have already taken part in the Vakken Metal Battle Canadian finals against Strig Empire, and sorry if I butchered that, and my previous guests, Eaten by Sharks. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Maharg, next vocalist. Maharg, it's great to meet you, and thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me on. Your journey so far has started off strong. You've already made your mark, uh, started making your mark by killing it at the fucking metal battle. So how did you get involved with that? And what was the application process like? Yeah, um, I guess the application process for us was, was the same, same as for all of the bands that were competing um, in that, you know, it was, it was putting in an application and, you know, just trying to convince, convince the powers that be that you were worthy of a shot on the stage. So, so, um, you know, we've, um, we were able to do that, obviously, and we've been able to kind of, as you say, sort of make a bit of a mark with that, and that's that's gone very well. Um, and certainly for us, it um, it's it's a great chance to to battle um, with others, um, which is kind of all all what we're about, really. And just to confirm, the winner of the Canadian final will be playing at Vakin Open Air, correct? Correct, yes. So nice. um, whichever of the three bands triumphs will be traveling to to Vakin and and playing the August long weekend. Um, as it is here, um, playing that first weekend in August in, in Wagen, and against oh, I think it's about twenty five or so um, other other countries. Wow! Yeah, It'd be pretty epic. That's incredible. <laughs> So with the application process, like you guys have very limited releases, and I was going to mention this later, but I've only been able to find two songs, and one is a live version, one's on your Bandcamp. Of course, there's the stage names and the stage uh, outfits, I guess. What else do you think kind of contributed to your success in being brought onto the Vakken Metal Battles? Yeah, I mean, you're right. We, we do not at this stage have, have a lot out there. We are in the process of recording our um, first full-length meditation, um, which should be available you know, in the next couple of months, we hope. Um, so but in the meantime, yes, we just have that one single on our band camp. Um, and I, I think, you know, the, the strength of that song was enough to kind of carry us through the application process and, and give us a, a chance to, to show what we can do on the stage. I think it all adds to the atmosphere. I mean, with your, with your music, with the way you guys look, and then also you carry a shield and a spear on stage and that's pretty incredible. Yes, yes, I do. Um, you know, on, on stage, we embody the cult of Ban, um, which is, you know, the, the basically a, a cult of the sun god of the Enkari, who were the sort of first human civilization. Um, and so we, we very much personify that cult on, on stage um, and are here to kind of spread the message um, that, that, that they uncovered thousands of years ago um, in terms of kind of the struggle between the sun god Ban and the dragon of time, um, Carnivore, who is basically the mother of everything and also the bringer of the apocalypse. So with the cult of Ban, what does the apocalypse look like to you? So the, the, the apocalypse, um, let me back up here. So the Carnivore, the dragon, essentially, as, as I said, she, she is the mother of everything. So she births both stars and, and planets in her wake as she swims through the star ocean. Um, unfortunately for all of us mortals, um, she also consumes the stars and planets as she goes in a, a never-ending cycle through the stars. Um, and our father, Ban, um, who you would call the sun, um, perpetually struggles against her for she's determined that the time has come to, to eat our world. 
So just to confirm, you said Ban is the sun. He is. He, would, he is both the sun and he was born in the sun. Interesting. Yeah, so he... Um, basically, the, the, cult, the cult believes um, that Ban was, was essentially born in, in the coils of Carnivore, um, where his, he was awakened, essentially. Um, and he, once awakened to life, he realised he had no desire to be consumed um, in the eternal cycle of, of life and death um, that Carnivore represents. And so he has been battling with her in the heavens for eons and eons. And it is through his struggles, um, essentially, that the Earth continues to exist. And without him, we would be nothing. And if we're looking to help avoid the apocalypse, like you say, and battle Carnivore, what are some things that we can do? Yes, I'm, I'm glad you asked. And so the, the cult exists, essentially, to um, assist Ban in his cosmic struggle. Because Carnivore cannot be defeated, but she can continually be struggled against. And so in order to assist Ban... Um, we basically bind ourselves, our souls, to, to the souls of, or, or to the, the essence of our god Ban. Um, and in order to meet him in the cosmos, we must die in battle. And, and that essentially, then once, we, once, once dead in, in a, a worthy death in battle, we must be set ablaze on a pyre. Um, so we soar up to the sky and join that struggle against the dragon. So in looking at your band camp page, uh, sorry, band camp page, you mentioned the Ishpani culture. Yes. Uh, can you tell me more about them and kind of how that relates to the Inkari? Yes, absolutely. So the, the Inkari basically had two key city-states, um, so Ishpan and Lashmir. Um, and so essentially um, we, we had Lashmir essentially uncovered the, the coming of the apocalypse. And, and that's where the cult of Ban kind of came from. Um, on, on the other side of, of the fence, essentially, became, became Ishpan. So they're, they're kind of, if you like, their eternal foes who wanted nothing to do with what they saw as, as basically the madness of a, a warrior cult. Um, and instead, they ended up embracing the, the myth of, of Karnfor, the destroyer, who they actually saw as being a route to release them from the suffering of this mortal plane. Um, and so they actually they embraced the idea of the apocalypse. And so Essentially, we had a culture of, of these two city-states who were, for ideological reasons, on um, different sides of a religious divide and, and locked into, for, as I said, for, for different reasons. They were both nonetheless locked into the idea of a perpetual war. Um, in the case of the cult of Ban, they saw perpetual warfare itself as being the, the salvation of, of humankind. Whereas in, in the case of the Ishpani, they, they were desperate to win that war um, in order that they could defeat Ban and the apocalypse could actually be realised. Because as I said, they, they saw that as being the, the route out of mortal suffering and into rebirth um, through the jaws of Carnivore. In reading a little bit further with some of this lore is a couple other characters that came to my attention were the car and the ceaseless warrior can you tell me a little bit more about those two yes absolutely so so the ceaseless warrior actually refers to ban it's one of his if you like his honorifics um that the cult would know him by um and, and essentially this is you alluded to the fact that on on, on stage of course we are very martial um i carry both spear and, and shield um and these represent um the, the thunder shield and the lightning spear that are carried by ban the ceaseless warrior um, and he is called that because he is unwilling, essentially, to lie down and admit defeat and to die. Um, so his struggles perpetuate for eternity. 
So that, that, that's the ceaseless warrior. Um, the, the car would be essentially the kind of um, the, mort the mortal enemy, if you like, of the cult on Earth, uh, for he is the leader of, of the Ishpanis. Um, so he's basically the, um, if you like, the, the king, I suppose you might call him, of, of the Ishpani culture. In learning about the cult of Van, if somebody wants to find more details, where are the best places to go? Or is it basically just your lyrics? Or And I guess the second question here is, are you kind of a vessel for for this message? Um, I'm, I'm a vessel for the message, not so much. Um, but yes, we absolutely, we, we are revealing um, this message in, in all of our music. So yes, all, all of the lyrics um, that you will find in our music um, will relate to this um, and piece by piece are, are uncovering parts of this story. Um, we we ourselves uncovered this story in a very obscure um, book that essentially I, I found in a second-hand bookstore. Um, and, and that book was written by a, a Swedish um, doctor, um, Birgitta Olsen. Um, and her, her book was essentially all about some research that she'd carried out um, purporting to uncover these scrolls from, from the NCARI. Uh, the scrolls themselves were supposedly um, uncovered in, uh, I guess it would be the 19th century, uh, by a German doctor and explorer, um, Karl von Mecklenburg. Um, but he was widely discredited at the time. Um, and the subsequent research by Brigitte Olsen has also been subsequently discredited. However, uh, we find a lot of truth in, in what we read in um, her translations of the work of the Enkari. And we believe that that needs to be brought to the people. And so when you're adapting this story to your lyrics, do you take like a very literal approach uh, like to your lyrics or is it more something like a story-based approach more akin to other types of like holy texts like the Bible or Quran? Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent question. Um, it's, essentially, the scrolls are incomplete. Um, so the, the full, if you like, um, history and beliefs of the Enkari are, are not, not entirely known. And the, the scrolls, um, which were mainly kept by um, the car or the various cars um, of, of, um, um, of Ishban, um, so as, as they wrote them, and then bits of them were uncovered. Um, so they're both part history, um, part propaganda, of course, um, and you know, part religious text. Um, and so what we're, we're trying to do, um, I guess, with our, our music is to represent um, the overall uh, beliefs and themes of both sides of the struggle, um, but very much with a focus on, having said that, very much a focus on the cult of Ban, um, as I said, who we basically personify when we're on stage. You mentioned like it's part religious text. So, would you consider the cult of Ban a religion, or is this, or is it just a cult? What is the difference between the two? Uh, very interesting question. Um, so, the difference between a religion and a cult, I believe, is probably best defined only by the number of followers. Um, uh, certainly, the the cult of Ban was initially described um, as such um, in disparaging terms, even by the leaders of, of Lashmir, um, from whence the kind of cult originated, but it became a, a very dominant and political and military force. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it sustained the name, I guess, if you like, uh, of, of the cult of Ban, but really it became the dominant religious, um, aspect of their entire culture. So, um, you know, would it be correct to still call it a cult at that stage, I guess, is a, a religious, um, semantics question um but certainly yeah that, that was that was the belief system that came to dominate the entire culture and um yeah that's pretty much i guess how i would think of that fair enough do you know how many uh, current members there are in the cult of ban and 
how does one gain a membership? Not enough. Um, not enough right now, which is why why we're here um, to to spread the word. Es- essentially, um, at each of our our rituals in public, um, we invite the audience to participate um, by being marked with the ashes of the fallen warriors um, and thereby be burned to ban as we are uh, and join the cult essentially. Um, and then by, by their death in battle as with ours, um, we can join the struggle. What are some of the rules associated with membership? Uh, we, we don't really have rules in, in the sense of that in that way. So the, the cult essentially exists as a, a, um, a I guess a spiritual army is probably the best way to describe it. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, in, in, in the olden times of the Enkari, it was a very literal army. Um, and, you know, essentially that's why the Enkari do not exist anymore as they obliterated themselves over time uh, by indulging in a state of perpetual warfare. Um, I guess you could say that um, in a modern context, we're a bit more enlightened than that. Um, what we, we seek to do, I guess, is to um, bring understanding of, of the fact that, you know, the apocalypse is coming and um, and the ban is there struggling for all of us. And so we are encouraging people to embrace this truth um, and keep that truth in their hearts, essentially. I really appreciate you explaining all of this to me. And though I probably won't remember a lot of it by the end of this, I will take another <laughs> listen through or two. Absolutely. One thing that I found really unique about your band, actually, there's quite a few things, but like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of mystique around your band, a lot of mystery. And some of that comes from the fact that you're very new, your identities are hidden, and you're mostly absent from social media. Over the past couple months, obviously, like we said earlier, you're crushing the competition in the Vakken Metal Battles. And one of the things that kind of stuck out for me is your logo and your armor. I think there might be some sort of connection between the two and, and correct me if I'm wrong but it's designed like your logo is designed in rectangular shapes and it seems like your armor is too was that intentional or is that something that was completely by chance and you know that that is really um that's really a kind of chance I guess you might say Jeff um so the the, the logo is essentially based upon um a kind of runic form um and it's the kind of square um if you like the square characters of it, um, or rectangular characters of it, so it's really just uh, it's a runic, runic form. Uh, and then, in the case of our armor, um, we really just you know obviously nobody knows exactly um, what the Enkari looked like, um, and so we've just tried to really delve into history um, and draw inspiration from a variety of ancient cultures, and really just sort of um, you know absorb and reflect the fact that the Enkari were. Um, the precursor to to all of these different cultures, and no one really knows exactly which part of the world um, in these two cities were located in, um, or what they may have looked like. And so we've just done our best to kind of um, represent a this sort of martial in, intent, if you like, of, of the Enkari and of the cult. Sorry, I just completely lost my train of thought. That is okay. <laughs> Yeah, you were you were asking about the runes and you were asking about the armor and and whether the the two of them I guess were deliberately connected in terms of the the, the shape. Um, mm-hmm. uh, to which my long long answer was not intentionally no. Um, <laughs> essentially, the, yeah, the the logo as I said sort of represents sort of um, runes. Um, you know, and again, of course, we we don't we don't exactly know um, everything about. About the Enkari, it's um, by itself, of course, is you know lost lost through the eons of time, and so my, my I guess what I was saying is that um, the armor itself, of course, um, we don't know exactly what they may or may not have dressed in, um, or how they may have looked, and so we've just tried to kind of um, draw inspiration from a variety of, of ancient cultures and, and just give give um, 
give people that sense that they are um, joining us in a journey to another time and another place. And so what was it that it originally drew you to the cult of Bond and why do you why do you choose that as a lyrical content rather than like say making up your own story or I guess the most simple way of asking it is just like why did you choose to focus on the cult of Bond instead of something else? I think because it was a um, it's a story that's not well known um, and is you know there are there are multiple layers to it. I I think there's a resonance between um, that kind of history and with some of the patterns and things that we see ongoing in, in our you know, own lives and our own time, right? In terms of uh, people's polarization, um, people's um, willingness to sometimes follow beliefs um, even unto the ultimately their own destruction or the destruction of, of the civilization that they're actually trying to sustain. Um, I think it's a fascinating um, kind of topic in and of itself because of that. Um, and obviously um, from a, a, a metal uh, music, musician's perspective, it is a rich, um, a rich treasure trove of, of imagery um, from which to kind of draw and to to help to kind of construct stories um, around um, and obviously you know, uh, as you'll have seen from what little music we do have publicly available right now our, our music is, is, is aggressive um, and, and it just perfectly fits the, the kind of content I guess um, of, of what we're trying to embody um, on stage. I also enjoy the fact that like you took a black metal approach to this it, it lends itself well like you said to the aggressive nature of your music but it's also the subject matter is perfect for that setting yeah yeah absolutely um you know and, and certainly we'll, we'll not be the first black metal band to have um drawn inspiration from from myth and legend um you know and of course there are you know bands such as immortal who have wholesale um gone and invented their own um so so i think that's in keeping with a fairly sort of rich um tradition itself uh, in the black metal spheres to kind of delve into ancient cultures and, and ancient histories that we I think the other thing that kind of drew us to this one in particular is the the um placelessness if you like of of the Ankari. um so we're not we're not drawing upon um as as others may do from the folklore of a specific nation state or um race or tribe um that is located with a particular part of the world nobody knows where the Ankari were so this is a story for, if you like, all of humanity. This is relevant to all of us. I like that approach. That's really cool. When did the band officially start and how were your members chosen? So the, the band has been together now for approximately a year and a half, I think it must be. Um, and so um, the members of Necht um, were known to one another prior to to kind of combining forces to make this project a reality. Um, so we, you know, we've, some of us have a, a long kind of history together, um, but this was a very new project for all of us. As you guys came together, did you know that black metal was the style that you wanted to play? Or was there any conversations surrounding that? No, very much so. Um, this was always envisioned as a, a black metal project, um, which, you know, as I said too, as a, as a musician is something that I have um, been looking forward for the right opportunity um, and the right musicians to to per, sort of participate in a black metal project um, for a number of years now, um, and so yeah, this this was a kind of a, a moment when the stars aligned and the the concept and the musicians and the music have assembled 
um, quickly and smoothly. And we've been able to, I think, sort of bring bring this vision of, of kind of embodying the cult of ban on, on the stage to, to life quite quickly. You mentioned earlier about a, an upcoming full-length release. Yes. Do you have an approximate timeline for that? Um, I always hesitate to... <laughs> to talk timelines when recording music <laughs> uh, because I'm always wrong. Um, <laughs> what I can say is, you know, all drums are on bass and 70, 80% of all the vocals are done. Um, the guitars are, you know, still to be finalized. Um, but, you know, the, the songs are all written. Um, we're, we're most, I'd say, you know, over 50% of the way through the recording process. Um, so yeah, we are hopeful um, that, that this will be completed and released um, either in time for us to attend Wacken in Germany. Well, uh, that's obviously our, our hope. Or if, if we fall in battle in Toronto, um, then we will have that nonetheless for Loud as Hell, um, which was, of course, the same weekend as, as Wacken. I mean, ultimately, I, I wish you guys success in going to Wacken, but for a more selfish reason I want to see <laughs> uh, well thank you Jeff yes um, and uh, when we were when we were invited to play Loud as Hell uh, Je- Jeff from other Jeff um, mm-hmm. Jeff Bury who, Jeff Bury. Yeah, who, who organizes um, it, he, he said the same he said uh, I'm hoping not to see you at Loud as Hell this year <laughs> so um, which I, I obviously greatly appreciate the support of, of Jeff and you know everyone else in the, the kind of local um, music community who's expressed similar sentiments that they would like to see us at loud as hell but equally are hoping that we will be in germany representing canada either way it's going to be a win-win you're going to play in front of a kick-ass crowd uh, albeit a lot smaller at loud as hell yes but, but loud as hell is an awesome time so you know if, if that is to be the um i hate to call it a consolation prize because it is not it would still it is still and would be still a, a most excellent opportunity and we would um, be very thankful to be playing that so yes if if we get to Germany, obviously that um, that is, you know, I think probably most metal musicians' dream um, is to play a show such as Wacken. Um, but if that is not to be, then to be playing Loud as Hell will still be an awesome time. You're right. You said that Loud as Hell is a good time. So th- does that mean that you've been before? Ah, uh-huh, that would be telling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I have. I have been to Loud as Hell on multiple occasions. Yeah, um, I, I, will, I won't tell you in what capacity, Jeff. But uh, yes, I. Oh, I, I, I won't ask. I have I been there several <laughs> times. Yes, I'm gonna try to keep an eye out for you this year, but we'll see. Absolutely, yes. So, as Necht, have you ever played a, a festival before? No, no, because um, you know, our first public ritual was indeed the the first round of um, the Calgary Vacan Metal Battle. So as of the time that we are recording this, Necht has played a grand total of four public rituals, um, three of which have been um, in the course of our our battle for for Vacan glory, Um, and the fourth of which was actually just last night, uh, where we had the pleasure of joining um, Atavistia, Hyperia and Caius um, on um, on stage as they were touring through Western Canada from Vancouver. Um, so we, we played that show uh, and conducted that ritual last night um, here in Calgary, and that was only our fourth our fourth appearance. I was really pissed when I saw the the announcement for that show because I wasn't able to make it, and I, I really enjoy seeing Hyperia live. So they're, it's kind of like... They're a good time, those things yes. I'm like, fuck me. Yes, <laughs> it, was, and it, it was a very good show, Jeff. Um, and uh, if you haven't seen um, Atavistia before, um, they're very, very polished and very professional. Um, and so if you're in that kind of um, you know, melodic, epic 
and sort of almost or- orchestral sort of death metal. Um, if, if that's your kind of thing, then yeah, I would recommend they're, they're definitely worth checking out the next time they roll through town as well. I just started giving their new album a listen earlier today, but I didn't have time to really explore it too right. much, so I'm going to have to revisit that. Yes, the, the, this um, blast beats and uh, a plenty um, in, in amongst all the orchestra. So yeah, it's um, it's, a, it's an interesting style, right? And I, I was struggling as I was listening um, to them last night to think of who they remind me of, and I've still not been able to put my, my finger on that one. But the, there is a there is a band or two that would make good reference points. I just can't think of who they are right now. I kind of felt the same. They have a lot of different elements to their music, but I, I guess that's the same for a lot of bands nowadays. Uh, absolutely, I, th- I think you know. Um, I think bands have to stretch themselves, right, and try to incorporate um, different dimensions from different subgenres. You know, I mean, metal obviously has been around for a long time now and has evolved in a myriad of different directions and, and different manners, right? Um, and I think as um, as musicians, um, and this is not for necessarily the case for all bands of course but for, for many bands um, I think the, for musicians metal just offers the opportunity to explore um, different textures and styles and, and combine them in a way to try to create um, if not something completely unique at least something um, original and new. Jumping back to Loud as Hell yes. uh, I'm not going to ask when you went but when you have gone in the past what are some of the things that you enjoy the most? Oh yeah I mean I think I think with Loud as Hell um the atmosphere there is is great right it's a very oh i mean you know it's a festival um but it feels like a festival in in the true sense of the word and that everyone is very um i would say joyous which perhaps sounds like a strange a strange word to use to describe a um, large number of metalheads listening to aggressive and perhaps depressive music um, but but you'll know what I mean it's uh, very much and I think it, it likes to describe itself as a, a sort of metal family and I think it does feel that way um, and I, I, I can tell you that the last time I went was just after Covid um, so the, the atmosphere in that one I think in particular was um, particularly special uh, people were just thrilled to be able to attend live music again after having been stuck in stuck inside for far too long, Jeff, as I'm sure you, you can appreciate. I, I actually was at the point for a while there that I didn't think live music would come back. I'm so happy that it did yes. in, a, in a normal fashion too. Yes. Yes, I, I agreed. Um, and from all of the shows I have been able to attend since then, I would say in many respects it's come back um, stronger. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel that the... The atmosphere again of um, the shows, the, the crowds is, is different than it was before. I think people um, are perhaps in a situation where it was that kind of classic um, of you don't know what you've got until it's gone. And I think people have realised perhaps just how much live music really meant to them. Um, and, and so I, I think it's in some ways been good. Obviously there have been many downsides to it as well. Um, venues have closed and bands have split up and so we definitely lost a lot during the pandemic. Um, but I think ultimately we may have gained as well. And as I said, that appreciation amongst the crowds um, for what, what the musicians are doing and, and what they're involved with, um, I think has increased. Again, I agree with you 100% there. And, and one of the other benefits to COVID in a way was that people had more time to actually focus on their creative side. And I, I felt that some of the most killer metal I've heard has, has come out in the past two, three years. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I suspect that that probably is true. Um, I think, you know, at least again, for, for some musicians, I think for others, the 
perhaps the lack of um, uh, impetus um, or reason perhaps for some bands to to be creative and the, the fact that there, there was no place to um, be on stage and to really you know for, for some musicians that's what they live for is not so much the the making of the music but the performing of it and I think for for some musicians and for some bands you know the pandemic was the death knell right so that was it it was you, you know can't you can't look it was like starving the band of oxygen by saying you cannot perform in front of a crowd um for for other musicians though I think you're right it was like in the absence of of the live perhaps if you like creative outlet they maybe doubled down on on the writing um process and the recording process so i think again probably experienced differently by by different musicians right yeah exactly and another thing that was incredible was just to see how many people adapted to it and rather than playing live they would put on like twitch shows or they would have uh mm -hmm. different types of entertainment that they could send out they I don't know. I, I've noticed some people putting out more, or some bands putting out more guitar tabs, stuff like that. So right. it's not only the live aspect, but everything else surrounding it too that kind of grew. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I, I confess to, um, as we spoke about earlier, I, I'm not a big social media person. Um, so <laughs> um, I confess, though, you know, during, during the pandemic, for, for me, um, it just um, it got me even more down the kind of the band camp rabbit holes of exploring, exploring music um, that way and just trying to discover. Um, you know, new new artists as as previously, you know I've always um, uncovered a lot of artists through the local kind of local music scene, you know and attending shows, um, seeing seeing local and you know, western bands that were on tour and such, and that's often been the way I've discovered new music during the pandemic. Obviously, without that ability, I I just kind of I guess I turned to Bandcamp and and to sort of you know deeper deeper dives through through some of that right. I know that you have a Bandcamp page, uh, page, sorry, and you've talked about going down the Bandcamp rabbit hole. Where I'm going to go with this is just talking about the Spotify thing. Is there a reason, like I also noticed that your music is not on Spotify, mm -hmm. so there's got to be a reason that you're avoiding that app altogether. Uh, you know, at this point in time, um, we yes, we're on, we're on Bandcamp. Um, we're on, obviously, Instagram, and, and those will be the only two places right now that anyone can, can find us. Um, you know, short of, I think there's a YouTube video as well. Um, so, okay, I lie. There are three places you can find out about us. Um, and in terms of Spotify, will we, you know, once the album is released, will we put things on Spotify? Mm, I don't know. I think that's to be determined. Um, you know, as a, as a musician, I'm not a huge fan of streaming platforms um, for, for probably fairly obvious reasons. Um, I think that they, um, there's there's the obvious kind of economic um, piece of things where you know the the person who creates the music is the one that makes the least out of the streaming platform. Um, you on the streaming platform and and all the advertisers and all these other folks are the ones that are making the money out of someone else's creativity. Um, I I object, I object to that um, for fairly obvious reasons, um, but but I also find, uh, and perhaps this is again just. I do not like to consume music in that way. I like to listen to an album in its entirety, in the way that it was designed to be listened to. Um, and I don't think streaming platforms um, at all um, represent or encourage that behaviour. Um, whereas you know, with a facility such as Bandcamp, um, although you can now you know set up playlists and shuffles and things, if that is how you um, prefer to listen to your music, um, equally. The default, if you like, <clears throat> excuse me, the default is essentially to, to, you know, hit play and listen to the album from beginning 
to end. Um, and, you know, for most bands, um, a lot of thought goes into the structure and the order of the songs. And for a band like us, um, where we are um, very much unveiling, you know, knowledge and, and, and stories, um, that becomes even more important. So this is not just about listening to any individual song. It's about the experience of being immersed um, in that for the totality of you know, what, what may be, say, a 50-minute long listening experience and, and that's part of it it's not not just supposed to be you know three minutes at a time this is supposed to be sit and listen to the entire thing that's how it's designed so then it's probably safe to say that you think that there's a detriment to the impact of the music if you're just picking and choosing a track here and there yeah i, I think ultimately yes i mean of course you know um not to say you can't listen to the tracks in isolation of course you can um, and certainly, you know, in discovering, I think, any new band, that is often the way that you do it, is you you will hear a particular track and you'll say, I like that, I want to hear more. Um, but I, I, I think that the, the fullest, if you like, experience of listening to the music is usually realised by the fact that you've sat down and listened to the album from, from beginning to end. Uh, I think in particular for for a, a subgenre like black metal um, that is almost always the case the, the, the album is designed um, to be listened to from beginning to end right not just not just a single right mm-hmm. I always used to struggle like back in the day uh, really before I got into metal I would always struggle trying to listen to a full album mm-hmm. maybe I was just listening to shit music back then <laughs> but I've noticed as as time goes on I just I don't really care about individual songs I'll most often just listen to the full album and I never really considered that side of it it was mostly just you know, I enjoy listening to the whole yes. thing, but yeah. now actually taking that into consideration, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, you know, and I, I think, you know, um, again, uh, there's probably a difference, again, with the genre of, of, of music that you're listening to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, if you look at, um, say, the classic kind of sort of more sort of thrash or sort of, um, you know, hard metal kind of albums, things like, say, you know, Pantera, like, so, you know, Vulgar Display of Power, lots of great songs on there. Do you need to listen to the album from beginning to end to get the good experience of listening to Walk, for example? No, you don't. Um, those, those songs are, they're, yes, they're all together and they're all packaged in the same way, but they're not, they're not the kind of continuum, I guess, the musical continuum that is, as I said, I think particularly prevalent with genres like black metal, um, where you may listen to the album and there may not be a single um, track that necessarily stands out um, as being the single, the one that you would say, oh, you know, have you heard this particular song? No, but you'll be telling, you know, say, saying to all your friends, have you heard this album? Have you heard this band? Because it's the whole thing. And so I, I think for a lot of that, it's almost more like listening to perhaps a classical kind of um, music album um, in the sense that, you know, it's not that there isn't necessarily a single a standout kind of, crowd-pleasing single it's more about the, the whole listening experience and I, as I said I think that's that's not always going to be the case um, even you know within within that genre of course black metal is very very flexible if you like as a, as a genre there's an awful lot of, of differences between different bands um, but I don't know I, I, that's a kind of an observation I guess of mine that's my own kind of thinking and perspective on this is I've really delved into black metal in a much bigger way over the last several years than I ever had before um, and just kind of noticing that that a lot of the albums that I like, I wouldn't sit and necessarily say, well, 
this is my favourite track. I, I would perhaps struggle to even name a track on the album, but I know that I like the album and I will listen to it, you know, as I said, from beginning to end quite happily. I'm happy to hear that forgetting or not knowing the names of tracks isn't just a me problem because I feel bad. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I love this song, but I don't know what the fuck it's called. No, I, and it's probably just because I listened to the full album. Yeah, I, I think I think so, right? And um, again, you know, perhaps also black metal does not tend to have the the catchy sing along chorus that um, perhaps with other other <laughs> genres that where you'd be like, well, you know the name of it because they say it repeatedly. Um, you know, but, so I, I think I think it is it's just a different different experience, right? You said you've been getting into the, the, the black mm. metal rabbit hole with like in the past year or so, or maybe I messed up that timeline, but recently, let's say. Yes. Yeah. What other genres are you, do you generally gravitate towards and who are currently some of your favorite bands? Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I suppose you would say that I'm a fairly late convert to, to black metal. It's been over this last, I don't know how many years, but, um, you know, prior to that, I, you know, I had only a couple of black metal albums in my collection from when I initially kind of got into metal. Um, there was, you know, only a couple a set of black metal bands that perhaps I, I really was aware of and, and appreciated. Um, but I think that comes down to perhaps since COVID, I think it's probably when it really did start. As I said, I started exploring the music that was on Bandcamp um, a lot more. Um, I think that's really where I started getting into a lot of, of different you know, black metal bands, um, as opposed to what I probably have listened to more would be in the sort of death metal, um, and particularly the sort of melodic death metal genre, um, was probably most prevalent in my, my music collection prior to that. But, um, but yeah, and in terms of kind of some of the bands I've been been getting into to recently, I mean, I am, um, again, a fairly, fairly late convert to some quite popular bands like Batushka, for example, um, you know, that's certainly one of the, the bands I've kind of recently discovered. Um, Cult of Fire um, being another um, one that I've really got into um, in the black metal genre. Um, I've covered a very, very good Irish uh, black metal band recently called um, Eternal Hell Caraxi. Um, it's just awesome stuff. So yeah, it's a variety of things. And some of them are, as I said, like Batushka, for example, obviously very well known and others are, are much more obscure. Um, but I think that's I kind of like that about Bandcamp as well, is that um, it doesn't matter in, in the sense you can you can discover them one way or the other, right? Um, everybody's on there, so um, yeah. I was just looking at that. Sorry, Eternal. Yeah, Claraxi. Did I they say it, that properly? I have no idea if it's pronounced correctly or not. <laughs> yes, it's H E L C A R A X E, um, and I believe that it's a reference to. Um, I think it's token. Um, Elkaraxi, I think I, I remember looking it up. I, I'm pretty sure it's a, a JRR token reference to like an eternal sort of um, frostbitten wasteland or something like that. So, uh, very, again, very black metal appropriate, Jeff. I love how much fantasy has inspired metal bands. It's yes, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think the the synergy um, between the imagery um, and the music is is obviously fairly almost obvious, right? It would be be kind of crazy if you did not have fantasy inspired metal in one way shape or form right yeah exactly the one thing i like about it too is that it can be adapted to so many different types of metal yes yeah absolutely right i mean um you know um in the completely non-black metal side of things i i quite enjoy um eternal champion i don't know if you have you ever you ever come across them jeff yes right so you'll obviously know I believe I believe their vocalist is so into fantasy that he writes his own fantasy novels, um, and and that's the basis for all of their songs. 
so you know oh that's cool i didn't know yeah that. yeah this, it's quite interesting um so so yeah you've got that kind of um that kind of you know very much sort of classic power metal almost like man of war um style um, fantasy influenced metal uh, but equally there's a, another black metal band i uncovered fairly recently out of um, austria called ancient mastery um, and uh, their their first album I quite enjoy as well, and this is very much the same idea. He is making up his story, some kind of fantasy story, and then you know screaming his lungs out about it. It's a one man black metal band, as I said, from Austria, um, but it's you know, it's quite enjoyable and um, it's very different, obviously, in sound to Eternal Champion. Mm-hmm. They put out two different albums last year. That's crazy. Ah, yeah, that's, that's a good work ethic, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's cool. Thanks for giving me those recommendations. I can't wait to listen. Absolutely. I hope you enjoy at least some of them. I mean, obviously, you know, musical taste is is so personal and subjective, but um, it's often the way, isn't it, to discover discover new artists you've never heard of is just by by talking to another fan, right? Exactly. And one of the things I enjoy about uh, at least the podcast here is that when I get the recommendations from the people that I talk to, I can see kind of how their like how their sounds and their tastes kind of shape their journey, if that makes sense. And I can get more appreciation for the music that I don't necessarily like. Like I find things that people could enjoy about it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, and I think that's going to always be the case, you know, as a musician, you will be, uh, whether you're drawn to music, um, in, in is the kind of music you would have written yourself or whether it's the fact that you enjoy it and then influences your writing process. I suspect it's a bit of both. Right. So I suspect it's that kind of, loop and so it's not surprising that yes if you speak to any musician on your podcast and they tell you about an album that they love they will probably have some similarity to what they produce themselves i can't remember the conversation exactly but i remember the my one of my previous guests telling me that they don't listen to music when they're in writing mode because they don't want to be influenced by anything right yeah i mean i i if that's what works for them obviously then then great um i I think, I mean, and I, I do not write any of the music in the band. I am, I am the lyricist. Um, so it's maybe not so relevant um, to me um, in that sense. I, th- I think it's very difficult to divorce yourself from, from your influences and, and probably I wouldn't even be able to put a finger on any influences in terms of how I write my lyrics. I, I don't know. I don't consciously seek out influences for it. I just write um, and, and that's that's you know that's what we get. Um, so I don't know if, as I said, if that works for them that they feel they need to kind of almost close themselves off from other music in order to write at their best. Then good for them if that's what works, right? I've also had other guests like talk about how they can tell when they are putting their music together. They can tell who they've been listening to because <laughs> those influences then bleed into the music. Yeah, I, I, I've certainly worked with musicians who've who've, who've said the same. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that sometimes they're like. Yeah, I wrote this song, and then afterwards I realized I'd been listening to a lot of you know whoever it was, and they're like, yeah, and it's like, but that's okay. I mean, um, I think as long as as long as you're not being um, completely derivative, right? As long as you're not basically just ripping off someone else's work, um, and you know, and I think that's rare. Um, then I think it's okay to have to have influences and to sound akin to other bands. It is probably these days almost impossible to sound completely unique right and there's a caveat there that being unique doesn't necessarily make it good this is also true yes definitely i would have to agree with you there there are um, people i think who strive too hard to be unique um and and it just doesn't work right um there, there, there probably is a reason why 
in most genres there's some kind of um, boundary, if you like, beyond which most people shall not stray, um, because to, to do so requires a, probably a level of, of exceptional talent that most of us just don't have. So, Mahark, my last question for you today is if you do end up coming to Loud as Hell, yes. looking at the lineup, are there any bands that you're really excited to see? You know, I honestly, I'm just excited to to be there if we are there. I will be endeavouring to, to take in as much of it as I possibly can. Um, I don't have any you know, sort of um, must-sees, if you like, on, on the list of bands that are going to be there. I just, it will be a good time, and I will be happy to be there and in amongst um, all the sort of metal brothers and sisters that, that always show up, and uh, yeah, as I said, like the family. Um, but I hope everyone will forgive me for saying I really hope not to be there this year. <laughs> I think it's for a good reason, so I don't think anyone would hold you to or, Yeah, I don't think that anyone would hold that against you because it's like, you can't really argue with it either way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think I think um, we're in a very fortunate position where we win one way or the other here, um, whether that is you know, um, the honour of, of sort of representing Canada at um, back in, in Germany um, or whether that is getting to come and you know share the stage um, with so many other great bands here from from Western Canada and beyond, at loud as hell. Either way, I believe you know that is a good outcome for us as a band. That we will certainly be be happy to to preach the word of of band to many people who have never heard us before. I'm excited to see what this year and afterward brings you guys. I'm excited to hear the new music. I'm going to see you play sometime. Uh, so I I hope so, Jeff. And I hope to meet you in person. And uh, I'll tr- I'll try to look out for you, loud as hell. If if it doesn't work out but again i wish you the best of luck and i will be updating uh my social media with obviously your progress on that side of things as well thank you well we, we appreciate your support so thank you very much jeff anytime and again mahark thank you so much for joining me today i really do appreciate your time okay cheers and glory to the sun thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time on gyro nation metal please don't forget to like share and subscribe the podcast can be found on twitter instagram and facebook if you would like to support this podcast please consider checking out my patreon thank you